This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hey guys, welcome to another great episode of Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network. And we're hearing every day from Elon Musk to Facebook about artificial intelligence and embedding technology into materials and garments. But businesses, consumers, they don't really know where to go or what to do or how to do it. If you've ever wondered about this, then this is the conversation for you. We are here with the expert Sabine Seymour, founder of Supa, and the show starts right now. Hi, I'm uh, Sabine Seymour. I'm the founder of Supa. And uh, I love materials because they remind me of physics. Um, it's a lot of the work that we do uh, that is a combination of uh, chemistry and material science um, and electronics, and thus using uh, electrical signals in the context of alteration of a material. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw, and Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto, and I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And our guest today is none other than Sabine Seymour, the founder of Supa.ai. Hi, Sabine. Hi, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So in the first segment of the show, we just like to get a little bit of a kind of high overview of who you are and what you're doing at Supa. Um, hi, I'm uh, Sabine Seymour. I'm the founder of Supa. Super is a biometric sensor kit for clothing. So as a, a brand, you buy what we refer to a digital YKK. It's basically a sensor like a trim that you as a brand integrate into the garment and uh, connect it to what we call the super reactor. It's a piece of electronics you can clip on to the actual garment and you get connected automatically, or the consumer, whoever wears it, gets automatically connected to what we refer to the super app. And the super app is a biometric, I would almost refer to it as a Lego, um, where you have different applications on a platform. So you as a a fashion brand, as a sports brand, you do not have to care about the actual biometrics, um, the algorithms, the application itself. The only thing you care about is integrating the sensor like a trim, again, the metaphor of a zipper, into the actual garment. And then once it's integrated, what is it exactly once it's connected to the app that it does? Uh, so that's a great question. So Let's think about surfing versus beauty. So you in the surf market, uh, you have surfers who are in the water for two, three, four hours and get dehydrated. So for them as a consumer, as a surfer, is interested in hydration. 
if you are buying a, a facial cream because of certain hydration properties, you as a consumer would like to understand, does it actually refer to the fact that my body is dehydrated at all times? Again, you want a hydration sensor. One wants to have it in a surf suit. The other one wants to have it in a all the everyday bra. So it's basically Quicksilver, quote-unquote, would be a customer. Victoria's Secret would be a customer. And both connect to the app, the super app. But because it is like a module, it has different tiles, almost like the different genres in Spotify, you know, when you have 70s music or afternoon chill. One would be called Hydration Beauty, and the other one would be called Hydration Surf, metaphorically. So Super is considered an app with a device that you can integrate into any of your pieces in your garments. Yes. And this app that it's connected to, as I understand it from what you're saying, it's customizable to and suited to the purpose for which you are using it. You can pull in these modules and it's actually, is it both collecting your current data and then does it do something in the future to make recommendations with Absolutely. that data? What kind of behavior yes. changes are we lo- talking about? Because yes. obviously we know there are a lot of, there are wearables out there that tell you your heart rate, they tell you your steps, they tell, but this is not ju- what your market is no, doing. No, no. So what, what basically what we are doing is you are correlating and aggregating all the data that is, you know, coming from the hydration sensor now, but then maybe you are using uh, a smart home like the Nest. You We can understand that that your home is actually also dehydrated. Your air is very dry all the time. So then, you know, we can look into the weather pattern and so forth. So we can actually make recommendations for the consumer, but at the same time, we're feeding data back to the brands either to develop uh, the products, change the product, change the properties of the product, do retail analytics, who is buying my product and when are they using it? So there is a lot of data that is collected through the use that is one going to the benefits of the consumer and second benefits to the actual brands. So it's um, covering only the hydration in your body and in the exteriors that surround yes. you. Yes. Yes. But that's it's a really thinking about a platform. So think about devices, data that you can integrate into the app, not only coming from your body, but also very importantly, look into the Nokia scale, for example. Uh, look into data that comes from the Nest. Look into any data that you could get your hands on that does make sense for that very specific application. So again, I'm a surfer. For me, it's very important to know not only the tide, the wind conditions, the water temperature, the outside temperature, um, you know, all other types of conditions that have to do with my body, the biometrics, how, how you know, how uh, dehydrated I am or how, you know, I'm starting to get physique because, you know, my arms are getting weak or my heart rate is elevated and, it, and I can't really like relax anymore because I'm getting like hammered all the time. All this information 
is simply going into your phone or into your um, device. And you as a consumer, you do not have to worry about every single input because it's all automatic. So that's why we're calling it the actual kit, the module. And just to clarify, it's not just the module for dehydration. This is other behaviors and activities that are being built in this AI system that you could pull in in theory. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So, dehyd- so hydration was just one example. Uh, what we are having, uh, what we are on market right now is heart rate, correlating the heart rate with uh, external uh, information and also information like GPS, like your weight, your actual body, so we can calculate calories. We understand where, how, how fast you're running, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Do you customize the um, information that you're giving? Would you customize the information that you're giving to your client's needs or wants? For example, you said um, that you're a surfer, and this is very pertinent to the surfing industry. And, of course, when you sell that to, like, Quicksilver, just to say a name, um, Quicksilver will direct your app towards something in particular. Would you do it with other clients in an other aspect of the Absolutely. business? Absolutely, yes. So, so that's why we, we have built an API layer, which basically allows us uh, to integrate any data that all these different brands are interested in and also shooting that information back to them. So some brands might not be interested in, you know, changing the colorway of their garments or others want to know the fit. Sportswear fit is very important. Others want to maybe know how often something is actually even worn or where it is bought. So all that information we can actually gather. Because for us, every single garment has a unique ID and thus is basically traceable like a computer. It has a serial number. That's scary, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's incredible. Well, the other thing, so, so I had this question before, what is very, very important for us uh, and and again, disclaimer, you know, I'm European born. So, you know, for me, privacy is extremely important. Um, and so we do not give that data, your personal data, uh, away. We need to make you aware if you say, yes, I want to get that as a consumer now, as a consumer. You want to have that sneaker for free. We make you aware that this type of data, X, Y, Z, might need to get to the brand in order for you to get that sneaker. But we definitely take it away from you as a, as a person. And if we use the data afterwards, we need to aggregate the data, so completely remove it from you. So that's why for us it is looking into new ways of encryption methodologies, even things like can we use blockchain for biometrics? So all these things are something that we are looking for right now in order to remove that quote-unquote privacy issue and really build it into super. Because only if you're authentic, one, respectful of somebody else's privacy, it is personal biometric data, it is considered to be health data, 
um, then you actually create an awareness and you create uh, a, you know a, a relationship with the consumers uh, that understand what you will want to do with that data afterwards because we actually are a data for good company it's very okay. important for us yeah and i know you were um, honored by unicef as a wearable yes. for good and recognized for that yes taking a step away from the actual um, app a part of it and getting into more of the sure. hardware and the clothing i wonder if you could talk a little bit as you were making the sports bras right and you're actually applying the hardware underneath, what were the unique considerations with the material choices you were making, the battery placement, the size, the you know buttons and snaps that affected that decision and how were you able to work around it to create an optimal product that like a sports bra you can wear every day, all day, and it doesn't irritate you. It's not up against your skin creating bumps and bruises. Yes. So there are a few different factors. One is you need to create, uh, you need to consider the form factor of the actual garment. The other is when you create the sensors and uh, the, so the super sensors and the super reactor, there are certain sensors um, that you want to have in certain materials because you need to have a certain conductivity. Um, you need to really understand uh, the placement, where it is placed, so it's not irritating and so forth. The other, however, what is very important is for us to think about the super reactor as an accessory. So if we look at it as an accessory, we actually create even another possibility for the consumer to be obsessed with that object rather than thinking about it as a piece of electronics. And so that's why I like to refer to it as a Tamagotchi. It's your personal Tamagotchi. You got to feed it. You got to put it on your, on your sports bra. So feed it some data and then it shoots the data to your phone. And it's your own personal one and you only need one. And, um, I can't say that yet, but <laughs> <laughs> some new stuff going to come out soon. <laughs> so when you purchase a, uh, a super device, could you Use the, the the same actual device yes. and different type of clothing. Of course, you only need one. Yes. Okay. And yes. do you work with the brands and businesses to understand how or why they can what they can and cannot use to integrate yes. that in? Yes. Because obviously that seems to me a key part. Yes, exactly. To make it work, we know that some of the problems right now to make it look good and functional in sports. I mean, it's the essence of performance. Yes. So I think what is very important is to understand. I think when the zipper was invented, what a hundred years ago or something, nobody knew where to put a zipper. I mean, I don't think anybody in the fashion industry or the manufacturers had an idea what the hell this was, uh, you know. And then I had, you know, some people had these gorgeous ideas of like putting them, you know, into bags or putting them as, you know, um, elements as vents for snowboarding uh, jackets or, I mean, things that, you know, maybe might not even have been considerations when it was first invented. So we are thinking about it the same way. So there are sensors that need to be at certain parts of the body uh, or on the body in the base layers because they need to capture the information directly from the actual body. So you would not put a heart rate sensor, you know, on your knee 
for example. Uh, I mean, you know, you sort of like uh, really have to create a pattern. What is very important is then you also have other types of sensors that you just might want to snap on. So it's this understanding of working with the manufacturers and with the designers to create these elements. So that's why we are talking about kits. Um, Like every little, every kit is comprised of the actual sensors, the uh, information or a tech spec, if you want, of where to place those. And then also what type of biometric data will need to go through the app. That's it. So it's not only one sensor per multiple garments. You, sh- you can buy several kits that do different functions. As a, as a manufacturer, yes, absolutely. So if you say, you know, I want to do surf and I want to have a hydration sensor and XYZ, you know, uh, then you can do that. If you say, I only am only interested in heart rate and I correlate that with the weight and I use the GPS, then you do that. If you want to have just a clip-on movement sensor, you just do that. So exactly. So if somebody's concerned versus um, hydration, going back to your initial mm-hmm. example, when you said the hydration of, the, um, of, of when you go surfing, mm-hmm. and then um, I have another bra that's for my beauty and Mm -hmm. I want to use that same sensor would you transmit that information to the different customers or would you have separate apps for the different so 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 I just want to be clear so the sensors there are pieces of fabric almost so there are they are solid in the actual garment so I want to show you this quickly here so this is the this is the sensor and this is the reactor this is what you would you give to, from one piece to the other? So we're looking at your sports bra right now, and you have embedded in the bottom portion, uh, I guess stitched on the bottom into the actual fabric. Yes. Is a part of it, but then there is a snap-on piece of hardware that needs to be removed, presumably for washability yes. and durability. Okay. Yes. All yes. Right. Yes. And you have to also, from a manufacturer's perspective, from a branding perspective, This part, so right now I'm holding the sports bra in my hands. The sports bra, if you look into, or if you look at it, and you see the elastic. A regular sports bra has usually a piece of elastic on the bottom of the bra. This elastic now inside also has fabric that is conductive, which thus allows to capture your heart rate. This bra is then, you can wash it, 100 washes, whatever. It's, it's like a sports bra. And this trim, the sensor that I'm referring to as a trim, is, you know, anything between 3 to $10, depending on what it needs to do. So, again, the more of this will be sold, the cheaper it will be. And so sooner or later, this is just an integrated piece of trim. That's it. And the actual reactor that I'm now holding in my hands, which is a piece of electronics that you snap on, this is basically uh, you only need once. And then you just snap it on every garment that is super powered. So at what 
portion of the technology that you're holding in your hand on the sports bra is proprietary to Supa? And how do you protect that when you're dealing with kind of brands? I'm, I'm always interested in well, I think I think that I think that this is an interesting an interesting question because what you want is again we're a platform, so um, sooner or later you basically want to integrate pretty much any hardware there is, as long as it actually does uh, has a functionality that you want to uh, give your consumers to use. So in our case, what is definitely uh, Proprietary is the firmware, the algorithm we're developing around the product. And that is, you know, definitely the bread and butter. <laughs> Some, yeah. Something that exactly is something that is very hard to uh, duplicate. The other is um, the ability to manufacture additional sensors that, uh, in particular, the fabric based sensors, uh, those are very rare to duplicate just because you have some materials that are available and some materials that still need to be uh, developed. So what is the ultimate vision with this? Is the idea that one day we'll all be wearing clothes that are completely connected within the fibers and detect everything and monitor and track? Is it also going to then go into our interiors and our furniture? And, and you said in your intro a little bit about doing away with the phone. What happens? Yeah, no, I absolutely... So I basically the vision is that um, your garments are another IoT device. So um, you basically use your garment and your fabric um, that you use in your car or so forth um, as an input, as an ex output, as you know, a computational device, whatever it is. Um, in particular, for me, it's very interesting because if you now uh, have a garment, you wear a garment every day, it reads your biometrics, so basically it is amazing for healthcare. Right there. It is also amazing um, for energy because, you know, we are wasting a whole lot of energy because we are heating too much or we're cooling too much. So if we have our own body temperatures and we can monitor that, again, we have a huge, you know, possibility there. Um, also for allergies, environmental. So again, you know, we have, we wear the clothing, we, so there are like, there's one application after the other. So I truly, truly believe that we should use the surface of our body to actually make work for us. So not only the prettiness of the garment, but also its functionality. That's a perfect place to pause. Um, totally okay that you forgot your snacks and we're not going to feed the animals, but we will take a quick commercial break. Back soon, right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me 
at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Sabine Seymour of Supa.ai. And let's continue. On break, we were talking a bit about some of the pilot programs and partnerships with some of the major brands that you've already started and where you're going. wonder if you could talk a little bit about them. So last year, we did uh, a pretty large uh, prototype and then turned into a pilot with Fila Sport. So that's basically one of the reasons why we are leveraging some of these um, features that we developed to identify and say, hey, let's just launch uh, to market. Let's create um, a super-powered sports bra uh, with one of our partners and uh, go to look what the consumers are saying. And uh, we launched uh, a couple of weeks back. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) um, we actually um, got some amazing responses already. And uh, particularly, of course, from uh, brands uh, that uh, are very interested in working with us, testing the product right now. Um, And then looking into um, building out superpowers on our app and integrating the sensors into some of the uh, garments that they are identifying. So So just to clarify, when you say build out some of the superpowers, that means that um, for what's readily available now and then if someone has a particular application for their industry, you could develop a module around that application, but then it's available or grows in the app for everyone if they want to pull it in. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's a it's a great actually it's a fantastic advertising revenue as well for uh for brands because you really are out there. You associated with super, but you can also of course have that application within your own ecosystem. So what does the app kind of look like and what do you have to do with it in order for it to function? Is it just you click on the modules you want and it applies it? it? Do you have to, nothing else? Nothing else. You don't have to enter any data about yourself Nothing else. Nope. So basically the only thing you do is you, the first time you download it from the app store, you set it up. It also works with the Apple Watch. Certain functionalities also work with the watch. And um, you connect to uh, your super reactor and every time you're going to wear the bra and snap on the super reactor from one bra to the other, it automatically works. So is the, is the reactor, is that, um, is that sensor, is it, um, oh, sorry, get back. Is the sensor waterproof? Yes. So basically the sensor itself is in the actual garment. So it is a, it is a fabric. So you wash it 100 wash cycles, no problem at all. Uh, and the reactor uh, works with a coin cell battery 
and it works 300 hours. So it always falls asleep when it doesn't feel a heart rate. So if you don't use it, it basically falls asleep. So as you're looking kind of at all the stages of how you came up with this idea and then actually manufactured it and brought it to market, I wonder if we can touch on each of them briefly, maybe first on what inspired you and in, in you and your family history. How did you come up with this? <laughs> so um, I'm obsessed with sports, literally obsessed. Got my first Commodore when I was, I think, 12. So I'm also um, pretty obsessed with the data and programming. Um, and I can't really sit still. Um, and to me, the background of my mom's a fashion designer, my grandfather was a tailor. Um, you know, it was like, oh, wow, why can't I put that all that into a garment? That's what I wear all the time. So it just really became very obvious. And then, of course, the other thing is, you know, I built a, my first biometric sensor system for a base layer for snowboarding in 2000. Um, you know, looked into the technical, you know, constraints we had at the time. Before um, anyone was doing this. Pretty and, much, yeah. yeah. So we showed it at the International Symposium for Wearable Computing. Um, you know, and I was afterwards, we built something called Move, which uh, was for freestyles, uh, um, skiing and snowboarding, um, where we actually captured the moves um, of the different uh, snowboarders, similar to what you have right now. Um, it's called the Trace Up. It's a sensor that you can actually put in your on your snowboard. Um, so we did that. Um, and it's one thing led to another until three years ago, I really was um, interested in providing a simple turnkey solution to brands, to manufacturers. Because I was getting sick of, I don't know what I can say that, but I was really getting fed up by the one-offs. Um, you know, I was also curating, I wrote books on the topic, I'm a professor. So you see amazing ideas over and over and over again, but they're not scalable. Uh, they are, they cannot be integrated by a commercial entity. Uh, they have uh, no mass uh, production capabilities. Uh, the necessity of actually integrating a material with digital data is something that is has been is still new to a lot of people because a lot of people in the fashion or design industry don't understand that there is electrical signal that actually easily can transfer into a material versus the other way around. So that basically for me was the turning point of saying, hey, let's do this. Problem is that now we have to find the manufacturers that can actually manufacture all of that. Along that line, I've actually been um, researching a lot of that, and I, I, I've been. I, I'm just curious. Um, I understand right now that we have a lot of manufacturers from all overseas, um, and we have a lot of technology that is being. Um, put into the manufacturing. Now, when we are going to start developing um, all these new tech devices, I really feel that there is a strong opportunity for U.S. manufacturing to come back because of the tech, because wherever you build it out, it's going to, you're going to have to start from scratch 
or ought to make more the old equipment to make it happen. So um, that being said, what is your opinion towards, like, U.S. manufacturing? Do you think it can come back? Well, I think we have to be separating out hardware, uh, textile-based soft, you know, uh, sensors, uh, if, you know, uh, the actual um, textile industry per se. Um, so you have a lot of different skill sets. Uh, you need a lot of different machinery. Um, and it is uh, sometimes also contingent on the scale, um, on the actual skill set, and on the possibility of uh, deploying these type of machines um, in factories or in even larger or sorry smaller labs, because you need to do a lot of investment now. But regardless where we're at, we're going to have to do the investment when you're coming into into any tech garments. A lot um, of mm, a lot of the uh, facilities that manufacture these type of garments right now have upscaled and have also um, really invested in new machine, machinery over the course of the last ten years. So that is the problem. So um, you can have a machine and, you know, you need to change a few bolts here and there. Uh, that's one thing. But if you don't even have the machine, you first need to actually get the machine. So um, and you need to find the investors to actually invest in a machine. Well, I think there's several things that that looking into manufacturing in the U.S., that you have the turn to, we're one of the biggest consumers worldwide, and we're asking for a quicker turnaround deliveries. But realistically, we can't really look at the making of a t-shirt because it doesn't matter how quick the delivery is. We can't, so like looking at the new tech and that's just like, okay, you know what? I think this would be a little the little crack that we could get into and 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 start manufacturing in the US that would be financially feasible i mean listen it would be amazing um you know if if we don't have to have you know long um transportation and uh, you know can do golden samples in 24 hours versus in a week uh you know but uh this requires like i said before a lot of investment yes but you see in all european com uh, european or other places the government and the um they are investing so much money for um, equipment and research do you think that's something that should be done in the U.S.? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I'm, like I said, you know, I'm, I mean, I know the European system very well. I am European. So uh, that's why the European smart textile industry has, you know, huge uh, advantages um, because they just have invested over the last 15 years. I mean, DARPA closed the smart textiles group down in 2003. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Europeans have invested in, I mean, if you look into the, uh, projects that have been, um, uh, you know, sponsored by the European Union or by different other research pro uh, programs, 
there are quite a lot of products uh, that have been coming out. There's a lot of research, of course, a lot, you know, goes down the drain, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, how many startups do survive in the U.S.? So, you know, it's like the same thing. Um, but I think, you know, the, the risk taking up is, is definitely something that um, if we want to have this industry here, we need to, you know, consider investment in that space. Uh so how does it work with the brands you work with then? Are they working with your dedicated supply chain, either domestic or international, for how you have manufactured and produced this? Or do you work with their existing supply chain and deliver? Okay. It's an absolute combination. I have a, a few European friends that um, that the, the universities and the federal, their governments are financially contributing to their projects. And it's like it makes a huge difference. For innovation, it, it def, for this type, so I, we, I think we also need to be very careful, um, you know, to to make sure that you know we, and I think that's why it is also um, very interesting to look into what is what is the expertise um, in certain areas, where how can we actually scale something? How can we actually manufacture? Um, you know, on what is the information that is required in order to actually scale the product up um, and with whom do you want to work um, to do the, 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 the R&D, the, you know, next phase. Um, so I think this is, this is why this is an interesting, an interesting facet of this space because there is R&D necessary, but as a... Like, how do you finance R&D? And then you give it away for manufacturing because you're just practically giving away if you're taking no, it no, to no, some no. You do, you, No, no, you IP it. Mm -hmm. No, 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 you don't, you don't, no, no. And the only, the, you only, li you license it to okay. somebody. No, 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 you have to, you, you patent it. Yeah. No, no. Uh, do you have intellectual property protection on your? We do. Because obviously, yeah, like you said, some concerns internationally as you lose some of that control and um, and oversight. And I think what I found particularly interesting um, about what you're doing is kind of, obviously, there are wearables out there and they do certain things. But this idea of disappearables that, that you've come up with and that it gets so embedded into our everyday clothing and everyday lives and everyday arena that it does disappear. And maybe that kind of expertise as it grows and develops is, is an opportunity, for example, where America could have a, a, a real technical know-how and expertise that, that may not already be out there enough because it's not yet. You're pioneering this movement. Um, something else I thought particularly interesting about what you do is not just, obviously there's a B2, B2C side and a B2B side. And with the B2B side, we know now everyone wants experiences. You want Nike, you want your shoe to drop, you get the app, you got to go run around Manhattan and find the shoe. And it adds that excitement. Can you talk a little bit? I know you said for Supa, some of your partnerships, you're looking at creating experiences for those brands and collecting information around those experiences. What were you envisioning? Yeah, I mean, I think um, creating experiences is absolutely essential for any brand, um, you know, right now, um, in particular when it comes to sports, to lifestyle to even to health uh, for a younger generation or for a generation that might, you know, not be considered, um, you know, a typical, um, you know, healthcare type population. I mean, we got, you know, 
allergies. We got sports injuries. Um, we got diabetes. <laughs> um, so I think it is important to create those uh, experiences. Now, one experience could easily be, hey, let's make young people move. Why don't we create a gaming experience uh, that allows uh, a young generation to move or have to move in order to actually game and then reduce the rate of diabetes? Again, I'm being very, you know, dramatic right now. But this would be one possibility. Um, another that's with us, you know, a social impact um, associated with it. Another is what about using it uh, really in terms of the actual experience on uh, the app plus the physical store plus at home. So you really create a seamless, almost um, uh, experiential soundscape that suddenly works on all platforms, similar to what Spotify does with sound only, but what if you use your body as your instrument? Uh, so there are lots of different ways. So for us right now, it's really how can we use biometric data that is coming from the body in order to create experiences. And again, those experiences could eas easily be social impact. We, you know, we want to reduce the rate of diabetes all the way down to you know, using uh, uh, biometrics to create a soundscape so we can have our brand stand out compared to another brand that is catering to the Gen C market. It's just experiences is bulletproof. The last recession that we had, everybody would have, would look into having experiences versus spending money. So if you have a product that creates experiences all the time, you're going to have that sell guaranteed, that sale guaranteed. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's that, but also I think for super, it's very, very important. And I think that is also something uh, why we consider ourselves an integrated brand and why the, the, this, this um, still the B2C component in terms of the brand messaging is so important for us is because we are data for good. Um, you had mentioned before um, we were selected for the UNICEF Wearables for Good catalog. So for us, it's very important also to have the aspect of using biometric, using super to empower democratizing digital healthcare. Uh, also, the aspect of sustainability, because you we actually um, donate to the Surfrider Foundation, so we can surf our oceans forever. So when a mm. consumer buys one of our um, super surf neoprene sweaters, um, it's uh, a swag <laughs> per se, but it definitely conveys that ideal of, hey, also what your environment is doing is influencing your body. So this is very important to me as well to actually get that across. And so brands, if they work with us, we they're already the consumer already has a, a very positive perception. Very fun, but very conscious. 
Well, an integral, it seems, to what you're doing is you also, at the end of the day, you need users, you need data. And the more, the merrier to build that accurate intelligence that, that you're building. Just touching on sustainability, have you looked at all or thought about, obviously, people hear electronics and they instantly think that, like, you know, there's no sustainable proposition. Obviously, you've talked about a lot what you're doing in health. Have you looked at the actual materials you're using, though, and being able to, when, it, when it's an option, incorporate sustainable raw materials? Absolutely. So, so it is. It is about if you if it is possible, yes. Uh, and it, if if it is not possible, we are asking consumer um, when they receive the product and do not use it anymore to ship it back to us, so we can quote unquote recycle it and create applications like a maternity kit for. Um, um, pregnant women. So we really want to repurpose and we want to make sure that people know that there must be a recycling option. And even though it might not be the material that we want right now or the material that would be quote-unquote sustainable in terms of um, you know conductiveness or so forth, um, at least we have a material that we can reuse. Can you slow, go back for a minute? What is this maternity kit you're talking about? Oh, so so we did so we did um, when we um, were doing the wearables for good catalog for UNICEF. Um, we identified a kit for um, maternity uh, in Ethiopia, meaning. Um, I've been traveling to Ethiopia a few times, um, and the uh, time going from uh, the villages to the clinics can last a couple of days sometimes. So at the onset of um, labor, if we see a problem biometrically, so your vital signs, your heart rate is is off, or your we can correlate it also with other uh, information we get. We just shoot a text to the clinic, say, "Hey, I think there's something wrong," um, and we also inform the midwife automatically. So we actually came up with that kit, and we were like, "Listen, this is something that we really want to build upon," um, and let's just do it with you know people sending us stuff back <laughs> if they're done with sure. it and don't use it anymore um, until, you know, we, um, you know, have the funds that, you know, mm -hmm. somebody says, hey, let's just, this is awesome. This is a great idea. Let's figure this out. We want to build this. So, so to me, that's why I'm saying to me, the, the, the brand, uh, this integrated brand, this consumer-facing brand is really what does super stand for. So that, you know, brands, quote-unquote, manufacturers or consumer brands really understand if they work with us, they get all this tech, um, they get the app, they get just this trim, it's very simple, it's you know easy to integrate, we create experiences, awesome, but also those are the unique characteristics that we are standing for as Super. Perfect time to take a break. We'll be back with our final segment on Material Is Your Business right after this. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Sabine Seymour, the founder of Supa.ai, and it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. Remnants are fun, personal questions. Sometimes the best stuff is what's left for last. And who's going to go first? I will. Um, If you could have one superpower in the world, what would it be and why? I you know f- I had to ask. I know, I know. Everybody, I want to fly, of course. It's so stupid. Everybody wants to fly, but I really want to fly. And Samantha. Oh, and Samantha. Um, what is your favorite type of food and why? Veggies. Uh, why? Because I can grow them myself. Ah, how do you cook them? You prefer them cooked. Uh, no, actually, I don't really care. Um, I can make salads. I can cook them in like a stew, I, you know, like a ratatouille or, um, yeah, I like to cook. So I cook a lot. Do you do it also with cognizant of health and uh, yeah, watch what you eat? Yes. So I don't eat processed food. Um, I avoid uh, anything that has gluten. Um, even though once in a while a good good ale is um <laughs> can't say now. Um but absolutely I think it is extremely important to um be very, very uh aware of what you put into your body. Um and uh our bodies are you know, bacterial um, you know we are made out of, you know, um well, or our guts or whatever you want to call it. Um, so um, it's the digestive system, you know, needs to basically keep up with all the quote-unquote crap. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's why, you know, we got, uh, we got to really, really be very careful there. You said you were really into sports. What are your best... <laughs> Just, I know we're asking a little too much on this. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, so snowboarding is is like the thing. Um, I've been, yeah, I'm totally obsessed. Um, I love to take those powder lines. Absolutely. Um, I actually, uh, when Stephanie uh, emailed me this morning, I I just got back from uh, surfing. So I usually wake up at four o'clock in the morning, depending on tide, of course. But that's uh, where do you surf in Rockaway, in New York? When I'm here, otherwise, you know, I'm trying to go out long, further out Long Island or some other places. Well, then maybe it would be easier if you had that superpower to fly. You could exactly. just fly to surf, fly exactly. to snowboard, fly to wherever you want. Now you go. got me. That's exactly why I need it. Yeah. I mean, I golf, I do Pilates. I basically, every day, I do something. 
That's great. For you. Can you give our listeners maybe a final thought or words of wisdom or something that you're reflecting on on this interview or your personal or professional experience? Any message? I think you have to be extremely passionate about what you do. Um, really believe in the product. Um, you bring a lot of expertise just for the sheer fact you are, you know, a superb lead user. Um, and so um, at this point, uh, I've been in this space for almost 20 years. Um, my first wearable was a helmet as a game controller, and I built that in 96. So um, what I'm doing now is basically what I love is sports. What I love is fashion. I mean, I, you know, I'm the audience can't see me, but I pretty much wear only fashion designers uh, that are friends of mine. Um, and... The other thing that is very important is really, you know, the passion of technology, really putting that um, out into spaces that have not been explored um, and not being um, discouraged by someone saying that's not going to ever fly or that's not ever going to do something. Uh, I was talking about uh, the body being a node of a networked system about 15 years back. Uh, so that's one five years and that month. Um, and so I think that the passion and the understanding and the foresight is something that, um, you know, you just need to have. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> How can our listeners connect with you and with Supa? So if you uh, want to connect with us, just uh, email me uh, at sabine at super.ai, um, particularly if you are interested in working with us as a brand. Um, the other is on Instagram, super.ai. So if you want to become a member of the super squad, we are basically um, out there. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Super.ai is the website. Um, download the app, test it out, shoot us information, let us know what you want to see, what works, what doesn't work. I'm good for anything. Thank you so much, Sabine. It was so great to have you here. Thank you for listening, everyone. And for Samantha Cortez, adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.